Hey, this is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream, Refuge Recovery, and Dharma Punks. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I hope you're enjoying the Dharma. Together, may we create a positive change on this planet. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes. May our paths cross soon. Welcome, everybody. How many people here for the first time tonight? Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to anybody joining us on Zoom for the first time. They all have their cameras off, they're hiding. Anonymously attending meditation. Um, it's a very important part of Buddhism to develop friendships with other uh, people who are on the path to connect uh, with community. Buddhism offers a really radical, radically different way of life than the norm. Um, the normal way of life, in my, from my perspective and kind of a Buddhist perspective, is a life of uh, self-centered craving and aversion and uh, we live in a world and a human experience that is fueled by greed and hatred and delusion. And it's as simple as our biologically developed survival instincts. It's not our fault. It's not sin. It's not immorality. It's just, you know, we're these humans that have evolved into this self-centered, I want my pleasure and, um, and I hate everything that causes displeasure. And I suffer about it. And Buddhism offers us this way of being that uh, accepts pain and learns to meet pain with compassion and doesn't have any delusions about uh, the ability to avoid discomfort or pain in our lives and um, knows that it's a given and knows that pleasure is fleeting, that everything's impermanent and that all of the pleasant stuff that we get attached to won't last. It's arising and passing. And so, you know, I say that and people are like, yeah, of course it makes sense, but the world doesn't function that way. The world functions in this, um, you know, like uh, hate pain way and our own minds function in this uh, hate pain, meet it with aversion, resent it, fear it. So it's so important, you know, the Buddha said, hey, there's this radical path to waking up and developing this wisdom, these skills. But we can't do it alone. We need to do it with each other. We need community. We need uh, reminders, support, encouragement, inspiration. And it is the function of the Sangha. We take refuge in Buddha. We take refuge in the um, potential of our own awakening. When I say take refuge in Buddha, it's not so much in, in some religious Buddhist context. It's like the Buddha, historical Siddhartha Gautama 2,600 years ago. And there's a place for that of like actually studying like, wow, this was a person who became an enlightened being and being inspired by that. But it's a little too like, you know, 2,600 years ago, what's that have to do with our life here today? And the real meaning where that I think about it is that um, it's possible for each one of us, like Siddhartha was the first one uh, to wake up and say, I I've learned to meet all of the pain in my life with compassion. I've learned to meet all of the pleasure with non-attached appreciation. And I don't suffer anymore because of it. I've, I've seen that by ego, the mind, the personality is not self, is not personal, it's not who I am. 
And so it's, it's that inspiration, but the real refuge is us doing it. Our own meditation, our own renunciation, our own wisdom that leads to the experience, not uh, faith in some historical character. And the second refuge is refuge in uh, the teachings, the truth, the Dhamma, nature, the way that it is. And we have that as these teachings in Buddhism, Four Noble Truths, Eightfold Path, the dependent origination, the, uh, you know, the, the reality, the nature of things, the way that the Buddha explained it. And then we can study it and say like, okay, I wanna live in harmony with the truth of impermanence. I wanna learn to let go. I wanna develop compassion. But it's not about refuge in the Dharma is not about believing Buddhism because there's a lot you've read the books probably <laughs> and you, you know you, it's pretty easy to learn Buddhism and be like yeah I, I believe in Buddhism but it's not about believing it it's about experiencing it really Buddhism is a a practice to be experienced which gets me around to the third uh, refuge was just taking refuge in community and the necessity, like we, we need each other to do this thing with. And community is both the positive things that I said, um, encouraging, accountability, inspiring, uh, all of those things, but it's also where we practice conflict where we practice, uh, you know, being annoyed with each other or resentful towards each other or whatever it is with, oh, this is an opportunity for patience, for tolerance, for compassion, for forgiveness. I'm not sure exactly what I'm gonna talk about tonight, but I think mostly I wanna talk about forgiveness tonight as such a central and necessary um, aspect of what we're doing. All of that was a very long-winded way of me saying that here at Against the Stream, uh, unlike a lot of other Buddhist communities that you might check out and attend, um, we want to start by asking you, I want to start by asking you to talk to each other rather than just meditate. We do the meditation to develop inner wisdom, but so much of it is uh, about how do we connect with people and how do we meet other people on this path that's really rare. Not that many people are serious about waking up in this world. I would say less than 1% of the population is actually trying to be compassionate all of the time, is actually trying to be non-attached all of the time, is actually meditating and training their minds. Even in the Buddhist world, where there are probably billions of people that identify as Buddhists, 10% uh, of Buddhists actually meditate. So even Buddhism, which gives this teaching of how to, how to wake up, um, has become this thing where 90% of people who say, I'm a Buddhist, don't actually practice what the Buddha taught, which is a meditative transformation. So it's really, and I, I point that out, not just to judge, <laughs> but um, to also just point out, like it's really rare to connect with people that meditate and that are serious about it and that are really trying to wake up. So I'd like to begin by asking you to talk to each other for a few minutes. Um, find, find a couple people in the room that you don't know yet. It's easy to be like, well, I know a couple people here, so I'm gonna talk to them. But part of it is meeting some new people, talking to some new people, and um, talk a little bit about forgiveness. What's, what's forgiveness been like for you, forgiving yourself, forgiving others? Um, does your mind naturally forgive or is it totally counter instinctual? 
for you. Uh, some people report like, oh, it's really easy for me to forgive other people, but um, it's really hard to forgive myself. Or, or maybe the opposite. It's really easy to forgive myself. I'm the shit. But fuck everyone else. Um, you know, what's, what's forgiveness like for you? So take a few minutes at home. I'll put you in um, these breakout rooms. You can talk to each other here in the room. Just, just introduce yourself to two or three people, small groups. Talk about forgiveness. I feel like that works for you to start meeting people. Those of you that came here recently in the last few years and felt like, oh yeah, from doing these little breakouts, I started to meet more people in the Sangha and the community. Um, certainly that's the intention. I hope it's working. I went to meditation groups for many years where nothing like this took place and um, didn't meet anybody. And didn't feel like I had a community. I still felt like I was the only person I knew that meditated because I'd go in and I'd meditate and then I would leave without meeting any of the other meditators. And I wasn't like just going to go and introduce myself to strangers. So it took a, a long time before I started to actually build community. So it's part of the intention, certainly one of the in intentions of having a meditation center. I think that I'll do the guided meditation tonight on forgiveness meditation practice. I want to say a couple of things. It's hard for me to not do the whole Dharma talk beforehand because there's a few things, especially for anybody that doesn't know the forgiveness practice that are important before you do the meditation, I think. Most of you are familiar with it. I've done it probably a lot. One of the things there's forgiveness uh, is done in three categories. Um, for learning to forgive ourselves. And when I say ourselves, it means forgiving your own mind, which, uh, which is not really yourself. Part of what we, the wisdom that we develop in, in Buddhism is to understand that the, the mind's tendencies are not that personal. It's not your fault. And so to have that shift and to start relating to your mind and forgiving your mind for all of the ways that it criticizes and judges and holds on to anger and fear and um, creates unnecessary suffering, having a forgiving relationship to our own minds. Also a forgiving relationship to our bodies and to our emotions that are you know, both mental and physical. Um, you know, that experience when you hurt yourself and you sort of get angry at your own body, you stub your toe or you, you know, hit your hand in the door or something, and you're like, fuck you, I hate my toe or my body, or when you're sick or, or aging, you know, in a community of people who are all aging, uh, and you're like, wow, I don't have as much energy as I used to have. I don't have as much, uh, you know, vitality or strength or uh, stamina or whatever it is. Uh, or my eyesight's go, you know, was, I've only been wearing glasses for, I don't know how long, but less than 10 years. And I can remember going like, my eyes are betraying me. I used to be able to see just fine. And now I can't read shit without my glasses. And having a forgiving relationship and an accepting and, and compassionate relationship to this, this physical body and the illnesses that we're subjected to and the injuries and the, this process of decay that we're all in 
and uh, culture says, you know, don't decay, <laughs> don't age, stay young and healthy forever. Uh, but the reality is we're all in these bodies that are dying, that are decaying. So forgiveness to ourselves, mind, heart, body, the difficult emotions that we experience, even though we don't want to. Uh, you know, we experience anxiety or depression or uh, grief or fear or lust or craving or whatever uh, those afflictive emotions. And it's quite easy to resent. Like, I don't want to feel afraid. Fuck my mind. I don't, you know, stop it. I don't want to feel depressed. And so part of the forgiveness is, a, is a, an acceptance, an act of kindness and compassion towards our emotions and to understanding this is just part of life. It's part of the package. We have all these wonderfully joyous experiences as humans. You know, it's not all dour and suffering. There's so much pleasure and joy and, and happiness to be experienced. And there's also all of these difficulties. So you don't have to forgive the good parts of your mind just the difficult parts and we all have those difficult parts of our minds and our emotions and and of, of having a body so self-forgiveness and then forgiving um, the people who have harmed us the people that we resent and sometimes that's quite directly people that have betrayed abused offended hurt us in some way intentionally or unintentionally. And that's an interesting thing to think about and to look at, you know, how often are we quite resentful towards someone or some system or some archetype, some societal confusion um, that wasn't even intentionally aimed at us, you know, or, or um, you know, somebody has offended us, uh, but it wasn't, they didn't try to, they're just, just the fact that they exist offends us. <laughs> And it wasn't they, they were intentionally trying to hurt us. And we're resentful, uh, which is, a, you know, looking at that versus when people are actually unkind or dishonest or harmful and intentionally um, hurt us. Forgiveness is both intentional and unintentional. Any, anything that we're angry about, that we're holding on to, that we're creating suffering in our own heart and mind about. Forgiving everyone, ultimately, all beings. And that's a process. Getting there, usually there's three categories. Maybe there's the people in your life that you want to forgive, that you're willing to, that you're uh, ready to turn the forgiveness meditation towards. And then maybe there's a, a list of people in your life or in the world who you're like, not yet, not there yet. Maybe eventually I'll come to the place where I'll forgive these people on this list. And then maybe you have a list where you feel like I could never forgive that person. And I don't even want to try. And that's okay. Don't try to forgive the people who you're not even interested in forgiving yet. It makes sense. When we do the offering forgiveness, start with uh, the people that you are ready to forgive, that you want to forgive, that you're, um, one of my teachers, he said, forgiveness is like weightlifting, like bodybuilding. You don't go into the gym and try to deadlift 500 pounds. And we all have a 500 pound resentment. So don't start with 
the five, you know, don't start with the most, like I could never fucking lift that. Start with the 10 pound and the 20 pound and the 50 pound, the stuff that you can access, the, the potential forgiveness. Start with the annoying people that you fucking love, but that you also are resentful at times, not just the people that you hate. Does that make sense? Start with the easier ones. Try to be gentle on yourself. Don't give yourself a, a forgiveness hernia <laughs> by, you know, and this sort of like, I just, yeah, I tried. I tried to forgive Hitler. I couldn't do it. Forgiveness doesn't work. <laughs> Start with, you know, the people in your life that aren't Hitler and um, that you can, you know, get some empathy and some compassion for their confusion and how it has hurt you at times in your life. And the third category, which often is useful to start with, is asking for forgiveness, is that humble um, understanding that we've all caused harm. And looking at our own lives and seeing, when was I the person who was dishonest? When was I the person who was angry or uh, in so much self-centered craving that I stole something or I lied or I you know, did something that caused someone else harm? Or just that sort of neglect kind of harm that where I, I didn't return the phone call and I know it hurt them. I didn't return the email or, or whatever it was. And um, putting ourselves in that humble place of responsibility, we've all caused harm. And asking for forgiveness in our meditation to the people that we've caused harm to. Again, I think it's useful if you can refrain, restrain yourself um, to, when you start asking for forgiveness, also don't go to the worst thing you've ever done. You know, the biggest betrayal or, you know, because our mind is so merciless in that way. When we're like, well, I've got to forgive the worst person and I have to, for, you know, ask for forgiveness for the worst thing that I've ever done. Practice forgiveness in a gentle way where you work your way up to the hard stuff. Start with the not so hard. Um, there's this quote I saw a long time ago that I, I love where he says, forgiveness is the name of love practiced among people who love poorly. So often we think of forgiveness as this big thing that we have to do to people that we hate. But I like that this reframe that says, actually, this is an act of love practiced among all of us who love poorly. He goes on to say, the hard truth is that all of us love poorly. And the need to forgive and be forgiven every day, every hour, unceasingly. This is the great work of love, love among the fellowship of the weak that is the human family. So forgiveness, not just as this big I hate and therefore I have to forgive, but for the people that we love, for, for everyone in our family, everyone in our community, everyone that we work with, you know, like just walking around work, sending forgiveness to all of the annoying people that you work with, that sometimes you're like, you know what, they just don't act right. To your children, to your parents, to your siblings, to your friends who don't always reply in a prompt manner or you know, comment in a, the way you wanted them to on your social media posts, I forgive you. The little stuff, 
not just the big stuff. Forgiveness as an attitude that we bring to all aspects of our life, not just um, when it's like, I'm really suffering because I'm really angry. In order to forgive the big ones and maybe even the small ones, the encouragement here is to try to separate what we call the actor from the action. So um, the truth of impermanence, constantly changing, we're constantly changing. So even thinking about ourselves of maybe you did some stuff in your earlier life that was really unskillful. You lied, you stole, you hurt people, you, you did something. It was really quite harmful uh, when you were a teenager, let's say. But you, you, know, you know, you're not that person anymore. That was like an impermanent act 50 years ago or 30 years ago or 20 years ago or however long ago it was for us. And we know that's not who I am. That was a unskillful moment in my early life where I was, I hurt somebody, I caused harm, I stole, I lied, I was violent. So remembering that, then when, because the mind's tendency to fix and uh, as an identity, thinking about the people that have hurt us. And we think, oh, that person that hurt us, that's, that person's a liar, they lied to me, they are a liar. And then you reflect and be like, that was 10 years ago. That person lied to me 10 years ago, but I have them fixed in my mind, in my heart, as that's who they are. They are the action. Or, you know, in our society, if you kill a human being um, and it's not, if you're not a cop or you're not in military or something, you are labeled a murderer. And like forever, like you're a murderer. That's who you are now. You're a murderer. You go to a prison or whatever happens and you're a murderer. Even though murder was an action that happened at one point, and it's not who the person was, it's what they did. And this trying to separate, because I hope you're following me, I hope this makes sense. Some actions are unforgivable. I'm happy to land in that. There's some forms of abuse, forms of harm that are unforgivable. And we don't wanna turn forgiveness into saying like, it's okay. But we do want to bring the wisdom to say it's absolutely not okay. And you have the karma. We have the karma. Everyone owns the karma of their actions. And we're forgiving the confused being that acted in that unskillful way, not the action. Because we have to forgive abuse of any kind or, or oppression of any kind, then it becomes impossible. Because how can you forgive oppression and abuse and that kind of ignorance it's but it's the confused people that become abusive out of their own pain out of their own confusion out of their own ignorance that we're having some uh compassion some wisdom around oh this is just a confused person that became violent or became ignorant in whatever way it's all all confusion So does that make sense? I just want to check for a moment to separating the actor from the action. I know I feel like it's hard to explain, but for me, it's the only way I've been able to forgive myself and others of kind of doing that little internal reframing of we are not what we have done in the past. It's not who we are. 
and the people that have hurt us are not what they did in the past. They are confused beings. We were confused at times. And forgiving that confused person who let their confusion, their pain, their ignorance, their greed, their hatred spill out onto us. Maybe lastly, um, remember that all of forgiveness is for you. You're not forgiving for them. I often get the comment or that maybe they don't deserve our forgiveness. I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, you could even land in a like, nobody deserves your forgiveness. Fuck them. But we're not forgiving for them. You deserve the experience of living without the suffering of hatred. And that's why we forgive. Does that make sense? It's not about giving a gift to somebody that doesn't deserve it. It's 100% about giving yourself the gift of freedom from suffering about the past holding on to the, the anger and the hatred and the resentment and the, that closes our heart, that makes us uh, unhappy, suffering. So forgiveness is 100% for our own freedom. It's not for them. So don't worry about the fact that they don't deserve it. Now, compassionate view is all beings deserve kindness and compassion. Um, but if you can't see that in them, that's okay. You're doing it for you. I think that's enough. And then we'll meditate and we can discuss it after. So find a way to sit that's relaxed, upright. And then I'll, I'll do the guided meditation and forgiveness, and I encourage you to, to do it. But of course, it's your meditation, and you can tune me out and do whatever you want to do. But this is an intentional um, training of our heart and our mind in the, the three categories of forgiveness. Forgiveness is the name of love practiced among people who love poorly. So just reflecting on that statement and resting in the humility that that applies to all of us. We all at times love poorly. We're not so good at loving ourselves. We're not so good at loving each other when people behave in unskillful ways. It's so easy to close our hearts to each other.
reflecting on our own lives, the suffering that we've experienced, the confusion, the anger, the fear. Whatever misery and confusion we've experienced in our life. And how at times we've taken that pain and spilled it out, projected it onto others intentionally or unintentionally. Where we've been unkind, critical, perhaps violent, dishonest. Or we've been avoidant, we've abandoned or betrayed people in our lives. From this perspective, it's quite a healthy feeling to have some regret, to feel some levels of guilt about the harm that we've caused in our lives. Not shame, not judgment about who we are, but just a healthy sense of regret. We've been unskillful, we've caused harm. Bring to mind someone in particular that you regret having harmed. Imagine them, visualize, remember them. And then ask them for forgiveness, uh, traditional Phrases is, I ask your forgiveness for having caused you harm, whether it was intentional or unintentional, through my words or my actions. Please forgive me. And repeat that slowly over and over. I ask your forgiveness for having caused you harm. Whether it was intentional or unintentional. My words, my actions, my anger, my fear, my confusion hurt you. Please forgive me.
return to the phrase as the object of awareness, replace the story, any tendency for the mind to wander off into thinking about other things, come back to the phrase, I ask your forgiveness. We're training the mind, the heart, And after a couple of minutes of asking for forgiveness to this person that has come to mind, let them go. Bring someone else to mind. You don't have to stick with the same person. Perhaps there's a whole list. And if not a lot come to mind, just think of the people in your life your family, your friends, as an act of love. Ask for forgiveness to all of them for any ways that we've caused harm, intentionally or unintentionally. Be generous with yourself in this practice. Imagine that they do forgive you. As we ask for forgiveness, we are understanding that we have the karma of our action. But this is just to train the mind, the heart to be more kind to ourselves. In some cases, it's important and necessary to communicate with these people, to make amends. And this is the internal aspect. Please forgive me for having caused you harm, whether it was intentional or unintentional.
So interesting to see who comes up as we reflect in this way. Sometimes quite old things from childhood. Or more recent. So healthy for the heart and mind to take this humble stance of responsibility. And of asking for forgiveness and of feeling the regret, perhaps sadness, tenderness, of wishing to have an open heart. And trying not to cross over into the shame. And then letting go of this first aspect of the forgiveness practice, returning to the present here, now, body, breath. See if there's any tension in the belly or shoulders or jaw. See if you can release soften into the posture. And then opening to offering forgiveness, reflecting on your life, your relationships, the resentments that your mind or heart are holding. The people that we've put out of our heart. And remembering to be gentle and not go for the most difficult resentments that we've had or hold. 
I'll begin offering forgiveness to some of the people in your life. Imagine somebody that you have some challenges with. Start with an easy one. Saying to them in our heart and mind, I forgive you as much as I can in this moment for having caused me harm, whether it was intentional or unintentional, through your words, your actions. I forgive you as much as I can in this moment. Slowly creating these neuro pathways, this habit of offering forgiveness. I forgive you as much as I can in this moment. A humble acknowledgement that it's the intention and aspiration. That it's not perfect forgiveness, perhaps. That we can't force the heart to let go. But that we're trying to. Think of all of the people in your life, the close people to you, that sometimes you have conflict with. Don't always agree, don't always have the same views, opinions. Maybe they're not big resentments, just the little stuff. I forgive you as much as I can in this moment.
as an act of love to those that we love, send forgiveness to them. Let the heart relax, thaw, open. Maybe there's some stuff you haven't forgiven yet. You're holding on to. Not the huge ones, unless you're ready for that. We've been practicing this for some time, then we work our way up. It'd be interesting to check in with the people that we forgave in the past. See, how is it today? How is it in this moment? How much compassion do I have? How much forgiveness is there towards those old enemies, those old difficulties from the past? How open is my heart in this moment to those that have caused me harm in the past? Can we see them as confused beings? Can we meet them with some compassion and forgiveness?
Notice how the belly tightens or the jaw clenches when there's resentment in the mind. Soften the belly, the heart, the shoulders. Bring the body in the posture of openness and forgiveness. Let go as much as we can in this moment. Letting go the offering of forgiveness for now, returning to your breath, your body, your posture, softening, adjusting if you need to. And then turning towards ourselves, towards our body, our heart, our mind. Reflecting on all of the ways that we've caused ourselves harm. The thoughts, the actions, intentional, unintentional. All of the ways we've caused ourselves harm, we've harmed others. And beginning to forgive ourselves, the intention, saying to ourselves, I forgive you to yourself. I forgive myself as much as I can in this moment. Placing that thought in your heart, your mind. Perhaps using your own first name to personalize it. I forgive you as much as I can in this moment. In a general way. All of the confusion of the past, the ignorance, the greed, the hatred, the delusion that we've been in at times throughout our life. Meeting ourselves with as much mercy as we can. With the intention of compassion and forgiveness towards our own minds.
So much of our suffering comes from our unwise relationship to pain, our lack of acceptance, our lack of compassion. What if you forgave all of the pain in your life? The physical pain, the emotional pain. The mental pain, stress. Even forgiving the anger, the resentment, the lack of forgiveness. Saying to ourselves, I forgive you for not knowing how to forgive. I forgive this heart for all of these difficult emotions. For all of the fear, the doubt, the worry. the insecurity of this human condition. I forgive you as much as I can in this moment. We suffer so much about the impermanent nature of things. What if you forgive impermanence rather than fighting it, clinging, bargaining? Sending forgiveness to the reality that all things arise and pass. the relationships that have ended, a tendency to cling to how it used to be rather than accept that it has changed. I forgive you for changing.
sending forgiveness to any illness, affliction, injury, mental health issues, physical ailments. So easy to resent the mind, the body. Forgive your body for aging without your consent. For the last couple of minutes, just returning to the general self-forgiveness, using your own name, I forgive you as much as I can in this moment for all of it, the past, the present, the mind, the heart, the body. And letting go and returning to the simple mindfulness, present time awareness. Here, sitting, breathing, working with these thoughts, memories, training the mind. Allow your eyes to open when you're ready. useful after meditation to take a moment to reflect on what just happened. Sometimes stuff comes up that we weren't expecting. We can learn quite a bit on reflecting and recollecting what happens in our meditation. Sometimes things are going so quickly in the meditation or we're so in it, that, but afterwards reflecting. I find in forgiveness, sometimes I'm surprised by who shows up. Wasn't expecting that old visitor. 
sometimes it's the same characters <laughs> every time or different aspects of our own our own selves in the teachings on loving kindness metta there's three places in the metta sutta from the buddha where he says if we and if we want to live a life of ease the, the core um, teaching of loving kindness is this encouragement to radiate um, kindness on all living beings and uh, to wish may all beings be at ease and that is the way for us to live a life where we don't suffer. We're coming from a loving heart, an open heart. And there's three places in that metta, loving kindness teaching, where he says, in order to do this, we have to free ourselves from resentment. You can't have an open, loving heart and hate at the same time. They sort of start to cancel each other out. So if you want to have an open heart, all of this is like, if you want to not suffer, then we have to forgive everyone for everything. Separating the actor from the action, everyone, maybe not everything. <laughs> and this is so radical because it's the opposite of what the human mind naturally wants to do. It's, you know, it's why the Buddha said this path to awakening goes against the stream, is an act of rebellion, is an act of counter-instinctual, intentional redirecting of our life. Because left to its own devices, when someone hurts us, we are angry at them and we hold on to resentment. The mind stores that, remembers it, and thinks it's protecting us by holding on to resentment, saying, hey, remember that shit. Stay mad at them. Protect yourself. Oh, but you don't do that on purpose. And uh, have you been holding on to any resentments on purpose? Did you at some point say, you know, I'm going to hold on to this shit forever? Maybe. Yeah, some people are saying yes. And maybe we did that. But I, I feel like the mind does it all by itself. That part of us that says, hold on to it, it's not a volitional thought. It's a natural instinctual thought. It's not a wise thought. And we don't realize when we're doing that, holding on, that what we're doing is harming ourselves. That part of the mind that thinks this will protect me is confused, is wrong, is deluded. It doesn't actually protect us. It hurts us to hold on to anger. Now, maybe in some circumstances, it keeps us out of trouble. <laughs> it keeps us away from harmful people. The wisdom that we're trying to develop is an open heart, a compassionate, a loving attitude that also has really good discernment and really good boundaries and really good, you know, just because I forgive you, and this is important, one of the things I didn't say in the beginning, Forgiveness does not necessarily mean reconciliation. This is all about our internal heart and mind training. And there are some people that have harmed us that we should have really good boundaries with and never associate with again. 
if you know it doesn't mean i forgive you so i'm going to allow you to continue to abuse me it means i forgive you in my heart so i don't suffer about it but of course that's done that's not gonna we're not letting that back in so that's important and I think that sometimes we think I have to hold on to my anger so that they don't hurt me again. You, know, you can actually just have a lot of compassion and out of compassion, not let them hurt you, you know, if, if it's possible to do what can be done to not put ourselves in that situation again. It's not reconciliation. Some of the times, some of the times it can, it is, or it can be. Sometimes, you know, when we're forgiving people and they have changed and we've changed and you can reestablish relationships, but you have to use a lot of wisdom, a lot of discernment about that. So counter instinctual and um, we're not going to forgive all by, you know, without effort. We have to train the mind. In the Metta Sutta, where he says over and over, reminds us over and over, we have to forgive, we have to forgive, we can't hold spite, we can't hold ill will, we can't wish harm upon each other, if we want to be free from suffering. But the mind all by itself despises, judges, resents, so we have to train the mind to forgive. In refuge recovery, it's hard, I feel like it's harder and against the stream because um, we don't have such a prescribed uh, path of, of Buddhism. Like, like I, I come here every week and I say, well, here's some of the teachings, find your own way with it. Here's what the Buddha taught, find your own way with it. In refuge, I recreated refuge recovery about 10 years ago, 12, something like that. Um, and I had the opportunity to say, okay, there are a bunch of addicts are going to come and say, how can I use Buddhism to recover? And so I had this opportunity to say, here's what you got to do. Forgiveness meditation every day, or at least every other day until you have no more resentments towards yourself or anyone else. And I just feel like I don't have that sort of prescriptive tendency with uh, against the stream students, unless somebody asks me, I'll tell them, but I'm not gonna just say, hey, this is how you have to do it. Here's the Buddha's teachings, find your own way with it. For addicts, I, I felt like it was especially uh, important to focus on forgiveness because resentment will so often lead to, re lead to relapse will so often be what takes an addict back into addictive behaviors. And so forgiveness, uh, you know, for non-addicts, all you're going to relapse into is your own suffering, <laughs> just your own misery. But for addicts, it might actually kill you if you don't forgive, like it's necessary in order to stay clean for most of us. So I like to bring the forgiveness um, teachings, you know, somewhat regularly here on Monday nights um, to remind you that this, I think, should be a central part of your meditation practice, not just mindfulness. Mindfulness is great. Present time, non-judgmental awareness, keys, foundational, but also intentionally training the mind to be forgiving. It's an act of love. It's an act of compassion. It's an act of mercy on ourselves to forgive each other and to ask for forgiveness. So we just have a few minutes left. Any questions about forgiveness or 
clarifications about the instructions or stuff that came up in the meditation, either in the room or at home. If you have a question at home, you can raise your hand in the reactions tab, please. Um, could you touch on, um, I know I've spoken this up before, but like, uh, like when to forgive and like from the place of like spiritual bypass, you know, like, oh yeah. Like not storing away the feelings yeah. just to be like, oh, I forgive you. And then I got all this bag of shit that I have to deal with at a later point. Right. I didn't. Feel it. Yeah. Right. And ask a really important question um, when to forgive? And um, not asking this, but there, it's a good question. Is, is it ever too soon to forgive? Because uh, there can be a tendency to um, use forgiveness to uh, avoid feeling the hurt. In the heart practices of Buddhism, there's compassion, loving kindness, equanimity, appreciation. Forgiveness comes in there in the loving kindness and the compassion that's connected. So forgiveness is kind of always appropriate, but compassion is also always appropriate. So when we've been harmed, the first thing is to feel like, ow, this hurt, and to try to tend to that with compassion. And the compassionate thing is to sit with it, to acknowledge it, to, to tend to it with some kindness towards our own pain. Then, you know, so first, compassion, self-compassion. When it's that, you know, you're resenting somebody hurt you, feel, really acknowledge it, sit with it in mindfulness, sit with it in compassion. And then at some point when you see, oh, my mind keeps going back to blaming and anger and I want to then meet them with some compassion. Oh, this person was confused. They caused me this harm. I don't want to use it to avoid feeling the ouch, the, the harm that I experienced, but I also don't want to keep reliving this. So I want to meet them with as much compassion, as much forgiveness as I can. So it's both and. Does that make sense? We could use forgive like a little too quickly. It's almost like um, like in trauma response, they talk about fawning. Somebody hurts us and we kind of just pretend like, oh no, it's fine. Oh, I forgive you. Without going to like, ooh, that actually was absolutely not okay. I'm fucking really hurt. And let me sit with that and feel it and grieve it and this betrayal or whatever it is. Let me sit with that. Let me tend to it just with my own awareness and my own empathy and, and compassion for myself. And then at some point you see your mind wants to get you to, hey, re resent, relive, blame, judge, suffer at them. And forgiveness is saying like, okay, I've I'm tending to this. I don't need to keep suffering at you about this. <laughs> it is really what resentment is. It is, I am going to suffer at you. Not only did you hurt me then, I'm allowing you to hurt me over. I'm hurting myself over and over at the harm that you caused me then. And so forgiveness is, I don't need to keep doing that. But there is a such thing as bypassing, feeling what needs to be felt by covering it with a sort of pseudo forgiveness, not allowing ourselves to just really feel it first. I can't say you know well if you've been harmed sit with it for four days and then start forgiveness i don't know what the timeline is 
but it's one of the things that we each have to um, be aware of and tend to in our own practice. I think I, I said, uh, you know, Jason Siff, uh, I was going, I had a lot of resentments a few years ago, felt really betrayed by a bunch of people. And uh, he said, well, what do you do? He's a colleague of mine, Dharma teacher. He said, what do you do in your meditation? And I said, mostly just sending everyone forgiveness and, you know, sending, asking for forgiveness for my part in the scenario. And he said, that's good. He said, but also I encourage you to just sit with it. You know, just let go, just, do, just be mindful of it. Turn towards it, turn towards the rage, turn towards the revenge fantasies, really let your mind play it all out. And I said, I, you know, I don't want to do that because it's so painful to let my mind go too far into the self-pity or the anger or the resentment. But I did it anyways, and I found it useful, you know, to say, let me just really sometimes just let it like bring it on and not too quickly go to, I forgive you as much as I can in this moment. I fucking hate you, but I forgive you as much as I can in this moment. I hope you die, but I forgive you as much as... <laughs> Slow death. <laughs> it's both and. And it's why we have the mindfulness practices, be with what is, turn towards it. And then we also have the wise response, the antidote, forgiveness, compassion, loving kindness. Both and. Michael, go ahead. Thanks, Noah. Um, is is the practice? I guess you're putting across, and I think in the past year too, it's like a continuous thing because there really isn't a like cap and gown graduation ceremony from. Um, resentment or um betrayal things like that in the inner world like it can be triggered or re-stimulated so by doing it by continually is i mean do you land in the zone where you feel like when it is when it does come back up inside or it's re-stimulated is is there less of a charge because you've been doing the, the practice you know continuously yeah uh Michael brings up a important truth of forgiveness, which is that um, it's impermanent. And we can have this idea of like, I forgive you forever. But the reality is we don't have that control. We can forgive in this moment. Forgiveness is letting go of something we're, we're holding on to, and you can let it go. But that tendency of mind is to pick it back up. And so we can forgive in the present, but then, you know, like the forgiveness that you did 10 years ago, not necessarily, that's why I was saying like in the meditation, when you check in, how am I today with those old resentments? Because I felt like I had really let go of them in the past, but how is it in this moment? Um, and I think that, the, you know, the answer is uh, when they come up and you have thoroughly practiced forgiveness, it gets easier and easier. It's not like it was in the beginning when you've been holding on to something for 20 years or five years or 10, whatever it is. And it's so hard to let go of. Once you have had that experience of compassion for the confused person that hurt you or forgiveness towards yourself, you might pick it up again. You probably will, but it's easier to let it go because you've had that experience of letting go and, uh, 
it'll be easier and easier. Last one, Megan, go ahead. Um, when we were doing that meditation, a couple of people <clears throat> came to my mind that are dead. And I, I like had the cognition of, okay, I need to ask about this. Like, how does forgiveness work with people that are no longer alive? Same. Can you hear the question about when we're forgiving people who are dead? Um, same thing, because they're not they're It's all in our mind. They're not dead in our mind. They're quite alive because it's just a memory of something that happened in the past. And we're forgiving in our own mind. And it's not about them. Almost none of the forgiving, the amends part, which is another issue. We don't have time for it tonight, uh, is about actually making amends, apologizing to people. But the internal forgiveness, it's about what we're holding in our mind, living or dead, intentional or unintentional. Um, so I've done a lot of forgiveness to people who are no longer alive. And I've actually found that when friends die, um, forgiveness is a really appropriate practice, um, even though there's this feeling of like, well, I love you, um, but I also feel, um, you know, there's some un attended to stuff often when people die or some resentment of feeling abandoned, which you're like, oh, I'm not supposed to feel abandoned by somebody dying, but often it, and, and forgiveness is a, uh, an appropriate ap approach to that or response to that. So same, same practice, even if a living or dead forgiveness, because it's how we're holding people in our hearts. So we'll end there tonight, a couple of uh, announcements. This Saturday or Sunday? Sunday? This Sunday, I, the 16th, yes, it's Sunday. I have a day-long retreat from, um, I think, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. here, where we'll do sitting meditation and walking meditation and sitting meditation and walking meditation all day. It's an opportunity to not just do a, you know, our class, but to actually spend the whole day in meditation practice. And I'll give some instructions and we'll have some talks, but we'll just, you know, practice together all day. So um, if you've registered, look forward to seeing you. You can register to do that on Zoom. I'll do this sort of Zoom setup for people at home. Uh, there'll be people here in the room practicing. So come and practice in person. Um, if you haven't registered yet, please register. Um, if you aren't sure, it's also okay to just show up on the day. Uh, if you want to do it on Zoom, you have to register because we need to send you the Zoom link. Um, but if you're going to just show up, it's okay to show up on Saturday and register in person. Sunday. Don't show up on Saturday. Show up on Sunday. Sunday. And... Um, the Memorial Day retreat is coming up end of May. We have a retreat center up at, um, in Big Bear. And registration's a little light. I, re I reserve this whole cool uh, retreat center so that we have it to ourselves. Some, sometimes it's always cheaper to rent a, a retreat center if you share it with other groups. But almost all of the time, that means we're sharing it with groups that aren't silent. Last year, we did it up at this place. And... Um, halfway into our retreat, this group of young Christians came in and part of their thing was like, they were sword fight. They were like sword fighting. Like they were the fucking, what is that called? Like, like crusaders. And that was like, they were like these Chris, teenage Christian crusaders came. And then at the very end, 
80 sorority girls showed up to our silent meditation retreat. And this like sorority party was going on at our uh, meditation retreat. So I was like, this year, you know, like, let's rent our own place. So we have the place to ourselves, but it, you know, it'll be, it'll actually be silent and we won't have the, you know, sorority parties and the, you know, crusaders. It's a nice place, but it was a little bit expensive to reserve it. And um, we haven't quite met the, the numbers that we need in order to pay for the retreat center itself. So please consider coming, not out of guilt, but just out of like, it's good for your practice. It'll support against a stream. It'll support your practice. Uh, please consider registering for that. I'll also try to raise some um, scholarship money if there's people who want to come but can't afford it, and that's why you're not coming. Let me know. I haven't. We have a partial scholarship on the uh, site now, but if people need more help, let me know. I'm happy to try to raise some money for that. Um, I think that's it. Remember that there are refuge recovery meetings here every morning at 7:30 for people in recovery and also Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday nights. Come check those out. And Jason has his group here on Wednesday night, and uh, Ward does a, a group on Friday nights on Zoom. So three meditation groups a week connected with us, and then um, lots of meetings. Against the Stream is fully supported, 100% supported by your generosity, by your donations. So please be as generous as you can. If you can become a monthly supporter of the center, please do. Our uh, rent raised a bit this year. Our, we've been in this building for five years now, and our five-year lease ended, and the new lease, um, you know, they keep increasing it every year. And so it raised about $1,000 a month. So if you can be extra generous, if you can help us uh, support this place, please. Um, the whole building, not just our rent, the whole building raised a thousand a month. So please be as generous as you can. Did I forget anything, Sebastian? If you want to donate up front, Tara's at the desk. Thank you, Tara, for helping. Thank you, Brian, for setting up. Um, also, we have all this t-shirt stuff. If you want to buy one of those, that supports against the stream. So thank you for your generosity and your participation. And may any goodness that comes from our practice be gathered and shared outward in all directions with all living beings. May each one of us forgive ourselves fully and forgive each other fully. And together, may we create a positive change on this planet. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. This is Noah Levine, founder of Against the Stream and Refuge Recovery. If you feel moved to leave a donation, there's a link in the show notes.